And welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast. Hey, the Tour de France, it enters its second half of the tour. Yeah, we're about halfway through, a little bit more than that. And the riders prepare for the mountains, so the sprinters take over. Crazy sprinters, as Roglic calls them. Today, we're going to give some reactions and some results from stage 11. Team GC, it's back in its normal place. And where is that? It's with an awful team. We'll talk about that second. He goes full SoCal sprinter mode. Or did he just uh, try to avoid an action selfie? Some things that make you go, hmm, the ride of the week, or the maybe the ride of the day. And Nelson Palace, he gets some good press, but evidently he can't dance. It is Wednesday, September 9, 2020, and this is a Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 194. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Um, once again, we're uh, live on Facebook because uh, YouTube sucks and they're having, they're giving us some problems, but until that uh, gets resolved, um, what we're not going to do is show uh, clips of the, of the race, uh, that got, if you want to know some of the, the problems and, and issues we had, check back on, uh, last episode, episode 193. And we talked a little bit about flow bikes, uh, legal action against this little jerks there. Um, however. What we do have is, and probably I should put uh, notice of when we're going to go live, it's just, you know, as soon as we can from the, the stage, and we'll do some quick updates. Uh, Nilsson Palace, um, he is the first tribally recognized Native American to race the Tour de France. There's a great article about him and his family on Vela News. Look, if you follow he or his sister, Shana uh, Palace, she's a professional that rides for um, 2020. Uh, she's also... Uh, girlfriend, uh, her boyfriend is a Cleveland Browns, and he's evidently um, part Indian as well, Native American. Um, but if you follow her, you'll know that the family is Native American, and you don't really know much about it that from Palace. Uh, Na- Nelson, at least, he doesn't really uh, do much about it. But there was a great article. Uh, I just thought I'd get Jack Palace, Nelson's dad. Uh, he's half Oneida, the people of the upright stone, and one of the five Iroquois nation tribes. Oneida originally inhabited what is now central New York, but it's now prominent in two locations in Ontario, Canada, and on the United Nation near Green Bay, so Wisconsin. There's a reservation there, I guess, their family has come from. The family doesn't have strong, uh, this is what one point I, I saw in there. Um, the family doesn't have strong dancing skills of the family patriarch either. That's <laughs> an interesting point. Um, uh, Jonathan Vodders didn't know that this was uh, the case. You know, so he's, I guess, the first um, Native, recognized Native American to, and, and there's a good, uh, it's a really good little story, uh, some history about the family, how they just, they, they don't necessarily um, flaunt this, but they definitely embrace it. And it's pretty cool. Uh, not only is his, is his dad uh, part uh, Native American, but I believe his mom as well. And it also talks about a little bit of their, their family history as far as athletics goes. Pretty impressive. And um, just thought I'd throw that out. It's on Vela News. Um, nice article about Nielsen, who went down in a wreck yesterday, but he appears to be okay. Um, also, it sounded like... Maybe um, he's the one that took wood spot. We'll talk about that in our things and make it go, hmm, because uh, it looked like uh, Nilsson kind of got the late um, notice that he was coming to the Tour de France. And um, well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay, stage 11, uh, Wednesday. It's from Chatelion Plange to Portier, 167 kilometers, a little climb in there, pretty much flat. Uh, I saw that they did have a Cat 4 climb. Um, Conafoy is the leader of the King of the Mountains. I'm going to talk a little bit about that because I think that, it, and I know Lance Armstrong really has a problem with that, and I, I do too in a sense where you have a climber uh, or non-climber getting the, the the jersey, and in a sense, um, he's the one that's that's always getting dropped early. So, so it's kind of a more of a most aggressive jersey in that, that way. 
and there's all kinds of things you can maybe do about that, which would be, you know, GPS, maybe you time him up to climbs in the ones with the bad. Or Lance actually said, you know, he's not uh, full of bad ideas. He's got a few good ones. Uh, he said, how about you just give um, points to, you know, like the Cat 1 and the HC climbs? I agree. That's That would be a good one. Anyway, um, early on, uh, Ledinois, a French FDJ rider, took off in the break. He was up the road for a well, pretty innocuous stage. Otherwise, a little bit of focus on uh, Gregor Molberger dangling off the back. Uh, he was wearing a jacket, so and he was really having troubles. Looked like he was sick. He finally abandoned about 38K to go. Um, there was a crash for Astana, uh, Astana around the 20 kilometers. Looked pretty bad. Um, I'm not sure. Izaguri, he, I don't know if he ended up getting back in and, and finishing that off. And then the team's all lined up for the sprint. So inside uh, 5K, you had Bob Jungles, the Jungle Bob, and Asgreen kind of going after Paul Stilberger of Bora. Those two are on Decoin and Quickstep. And, you know, they're supposed to be doing a lead out. So what you end up having is for from about 5 to 2K, those guys are kind of pushing on about 6, 7 uh, second lead. And you're having sprint teams trying to come and actually um, catch them up, which was CCC was up there, a little bit of Trek. Um, I think um, was uh, there was another team up there also joining in. Uh, NTT was also doing some work. Uh, Cofidis and Lotto, Lotto uh, Cofidis for Viviani, who we've seen nothing of. And Lotto, obviously, for Caleb Ewing. And it was a little bit interesting. It's not such a necessarily a bad strategy. You got two of your lead-out guys actually going up the road, so you're forcing other teams to do the lead, and it's similar to doing a lead-out in, in the first place. The problem you have, though, is setting up your rider and making sure that he's always in position. So now he's got to do a little bit more work to make sure he is sitting in the right spot. Now, Sam Bennett won yesterday. He's obviously a guy that's uh, favored for this, and there was a little bit of a, a climb um, coming into that as well. So the slight gradient, about 4%, they said. They're caught at 2K. NTT takes over. You got Lotto, Trek, Dequanic Quick Step are not now, now <clears throat> helping Bennett because they're, they're out of the mix. And CCC goes kind of the, to the front, and 1.5, Lotto is in the front, and you've got uh, uh, Caleb Ewing, second wheel. And you're like, ooh, he's up there a little bit quick. But out of the myths, you then have Wout Van Ert. He takes a kick around 250 to go. And he is, look, the, we've talked about this before, but it's very important in this sprint. Um, he is one of the straightest, narrow, straight line um, sprinters you've, you've had in the, in the tour. Uh, or in, you saw him winning at uh, Milan San Remo. Very straight, upright sprint, not like uh, Groening Wagon, his teammate, or some of these other guys. Caleb Ewing, he tends to swerve a little bit. We know about Sagan, Cavendish, those guys. Anyway, he takes off maybe a little bit too far out, but 250 to go. Wout's taking the lead. Then you have Bennett, uh, an NTT rider, was kind of fading off on the left. Uh, South African, who has the South African uh, jersey? Maybe it was, uh, not sure. But anyway, those guys are fading. And you're watching now Caleb sitting behind Bennett, waiting, and you're about 100, K, uh, 100 meters in to go, and all of a sudden Caleb bursts around, takes a hard left, comes shooting through past Bennett and does a massive bike throw. We got a photo finish we'll show you here, bike throw at the line. And with that, uh, he ends up getting the win. Now, what you end up seeing on the other side though, was Wout Van Ert. He's somewhat up against the barriers. And on his right, uh, Sagan decides he's gonna push his way through, kind of bumps, uh, I don't know if it's Cockhart or one of those guys, and then goes up the barrier. And as he's going up the barrier, there's not a lot of room. So he decides to make room and he gives a good hard push to uh, Wout on his left now creates the room. Wout keeps sprinting. Sagan throws his bike at the line. He had it all across the front. And maybe we'll show you that. Um, the Let's go here. All right, so you can see the photo finish. Photo finish, you have Caleb Ewing on the 
the far, if you're looking, it's, it's on the far left of the road, well, middle of the road, Caleb Ewing. Next to him is Sam Bennett. But over on the right is actually, far right, is Sagan. He actually gets the, the sprint throw there for second place. And wow, that's a little bit of a throw, but not much of one. And so you get one, first was Caleb, second was uh, Sagan, third was Bennett, and then wow, all within like a half wheel. Pretty impressive. And well, so then there's, there's problems because you have Sagan, who took a little bit of a, an alternate route and pushed in on Wout Van Ert. Wout, I think, gave him the finger afterwards. You also saw some good. Uh, Caleb gives a little fist pump to, uh, and, and it's initiated by Sam Bennett, so they seem to be pretty good across the line. Uh, Wout, he had a few choice words for Sagan, and we're going to talk about some of that as well. This is also Sagan. Then was did he um, did he get basically take a look at this? So here's a picture of. Sagan uh, leaning into Wout. Wout's very straight upright, and that's just how he sprints. He doesn't move his bike around. But there's a circle around there, and you can see Sagan. There's a someone with a selfie stick and a phone out there. Now the barriers come out. I don't know if the selfie stick was any further out than the actual barriers itself, and I believe that's probably something that Sagan saw. And then he's like, "Yeah, I I avoid selfie." I know that's how he talks. That's that's my interpretation of how he talks. Um, so I, I didn't, they ended up relegating him to last place on the stage on the day of those that came in. Uh, what we're going to take a look, though, is some of the quotes and what we had here. So this is Wout on Sagan. Um, he goes, I think it's not done right to do that like that, actually. Uh, Wout told reporters afterwards, in my opinion, I sprinted in a completely straight line. I started complete on the right, on the barriers, and he just tried to create space for himself and for me. He's not allowed to do that. I think it's already dangerous enough. I was really surprised and shocked at the moment. It felt like something. I was making a maximum effort, so I was really scared. Yeah, you know, he's not. He's one that backed away. I think I was on stage one um, when it got a little wet and dangerous in there, and he's like, yeah, I'm just not for that. And I don't know if that has to, anything to do with the barrier that he had. You know, he doesn't mind mixing it up with these guys, but he is definitely, he's not a Caleb Ewing. He's not a Sagan. doesn't, you know, throw his bike around. He just goes very straight. You saw that, like I said, with... Uh, Milan San Remo, and then this one too. He holds. There's a there's a few feet on his right hand side to the barrier, but he holds a very very straight line all the way to the finish. Commend him for that. He should be commended, and um, rightly so. He said he was a little upset. Gave a gesture. He, he flipped off uh, Sagan. Maybe he'll be on the, the list of uh, penalties today, or as far as um, fines. Um, and then he went to talk to Sagan when he cooled down a little bit, and he said all Sagan he got from him was just more cursing and bad language, so there wasn't any conversation to be had. I don't know why Sagan was, would be upset with him. Once again, uh, it's like uh, you pulling out in front of someone in traffic, and then you're going to complain about them when it was, was on you. This, I mean, this is nothing to do with Wout, other than Wout <clears throat> gave him the, the finger at the end. Why would you be upset with Wout? Maybe maybe because Wout, um, I don't know if his team uh, filed a complaint, uh, you know, and look, uh, hit him enough. He was slowing down pedaling wise, but he, he'd still kind of, he was still pedaling. I'm sure it didn't help him. He had to deviate off his line and there was a bike throw. So maybe it was enough to, to get him. I, I think Wout's biggest problem in this sprint was he started too far back and you had Caleb Ewing, the rocket pocket rocket just coming through. All right. <clears throat> now you get, you get this all time tour to California, um, Phil Liggett. Paul Sherwin, God rest his soul, uh, RIP on him. Uh, Bob Roll, all these, they, they just ooze and awe over Sagan. And what they like to say about him is his bike handling skills are just, you know, the best. So someone actually poses out to Wout about Sagan's uh, bike handling skills and, you know, what, what he thinks about that. And this is what he said. He goes, 
He was dismissive of suggestions that Sagan's bike handling skills are such that he perhaps believes he can go through spaces in the peloton that aren't there. Quote, that's a weird way of thinking. There wasn't a gap, Van Aert said. And if you use your elbows to create one, that's completely against the rules. It's not reasonable and it's not done. So he's, uh, he's correct on that. Um, and I'll just go to some finish line quotes. Look, um, I had said previously, I don't think Sagan, I said uh, Sagan, I think is going to win the green jersey, but I don't believe he's going to win a stage in doing so. I also said you're going to have uh, Caleb Ewan at least with two wins here by the time you get to the next rest day. And he's got that. Um, Caleb Ewing, let's see what he said here. It was very, very hectic. I was really close. Um, second to the Sagan. I was really close to the front and the three, and then one kilometer to go, I was more forward than I wanted to be, especially with the headwind finish. I dropped back into the bunch, but there was quite a cra- it was quite crazy. I knew from the first stage that I'd won, that I'd stay calm and wait for the right time, the gap to open at the end. I had a real desire to win today after yesterday. I was quite disappointed with that sprint. I'm happy to repay my teammates for the win. <laughs> Quick uh, thought here. Caleb Ewing, um, he doesn't always, he'll win, he'll get like second or third, or he's 10th, 15th. You're like, he was up there in the position, what happened? And I think today is a prime example kind of where he's at with his thinking on his sprinting. He waits for that opening and then blows and just explodes into the hole and takes it. You saw that with his first win, um, which stage was at three or four, where he just uh, weaved through people (laughs) and exploded out on that uh, tailwind or the headwind sprint. Uh, and today was a similar one. I'm watching it and I'm like, he's up there and he's on Bennett's wheel and all of a sudden, boom, he comes around. Well, you see that quite often with him. He's waiting for the hole to open or it's his right spot and he doesn't lead from the front. He doesn't, sometimes he does, but most likely he does not. And sometimes when you're watching him, the hole just never opens and he just sits up. So he he's strategic about that. And it's pretty interesting because, you know, some guys like Sagan, Sagan's going to sprint full gas the whole time. He gets a lot of, a lot of top fives almost like a, a, just an easy thing for him to do, uh, where in the same respect, um, Caleb's uh, getting one, two, three, or he's getting like, you know, eight, 10, 12, something along the lines. Um, I really didn't know who won. I just saluted in case I did a big throw and you're basically looking down at the ground. So if you don't know if you won or not, sometimes you can feel it. And I felt quite close. I'm super happy with two stage win. One takes the pressure off. And after another one, the second one, now I just wanted another, especially in Paris. I hope to get through the mountains all right have another sprint in Paris. Sam Bennett, he said, I don't really know what happened. It was so hectic, but the team did a fantastic fantastic job all day looking after me. Well, I, that's right, but uh, I think they kind of deserted you with a little bit of a move there at the end. Like I said uh, previously, um, they were. it was kind of like a lead out, but the problem they do with that is you, you're the best lead out team. You don't need to do that. And then you put your rider in a position where he might not, um, he has to go through a little bit of, traffic and he ended up third on the day but it was you know you take nothing away from him i mean he could have won that just as easy it was hard to make the switch from following a teammate to going alone see there you go and i found myself too far forward too early then i was trying to drift back but it was a bit late to drift back then came at speed and it was a complete mess i tried to limit my losses i did the best i could get to get the result a big part of sprinting is bumping shoulders rubbing shoulders i have to see it i really don't know what happened in the sprints um when Polsterberger attacked my two teammates went and i let the wheel go there you go when I had a gap, they're two big engines, and I was shouting on the Raider to go, go, because the chances of catching them in that final was difficult. Pulsterberger attacked, didn't affect us all. He was doing, anyway, that's that's not really much. I, I don't know that that was, uh, he told him to go, which is perfectly fine, and they they, they did so. Um, 
but whatever. Um, Roglic, uh, he said, when you're wearing the yellow jersey, you cannot afford to sleep or to make any mistakes. It's all about focusing for every kilometer. The stage was easier than yesterday, but on these roads with a crash at the end, it was hard. But the team did, again, a great job. Wout Bennert is exceptional. And so everyone on Jumbo who do their part, it's why we have the jersey. Uh, yeah, he was also saying that um, um, if you start to think or worry too much about a lot of things, I don't worry too much. And the thing is, we all need to focus on our jobs every day. And we are doing, and let's keep doing that. That's a quote from Flow Bikes, and I'm giving them credit in case they come after me for that as well. He also said that uh, sprinters are crazy, and he's completely uh, true on that, uh, especially uh, especially Sagan. I mean, uh, once again, maybe it was the selfie stick that maybe, you know, it reminds you that uh, wagon Jakobsen thing. Did, uh, did Jakobsen need to hit that hole? Now, that one was a little different because Grunewagen was coming into it. But this one, Sagan doesn't need to go. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm, is he maybe making himself a little safer by creating a little room, bumping on the left, making sure he doesn't go into the barrier? Exactly right. Uh, but that's still not necessary. And so maybe you just don't take that spot. You don't take that hole that you uh, you decided to go through. Um, Borahangor, uh, director Enrico Patsky, in the sprint, Sagan was in a good position, but then it was a little blocked. Okay. Then in the last meters, he saw a possibility to go on the barrier to try to win the stage, and he touched Van Art. Touched. Uh, harder than he liked to do. In the end, he was relegated. It's far away from the perfect, but we have to accept that. Sagan, he said, today I had the speed, and in the sprint, I tried to go on the right side. I passed the other rider easily. <laughs> Not really, man. You were, you were doing the same to him. And then I got really narrow. <laughs> Didn't get narrow. Um, Wow, it didn't move. I had to move to avoid the barriers, and as a result, I got relegated. This cost me a lot of points, but I still have not abandoned the fight for the green jersey. Yeah, so um, Bennett, you know, with that basically moves him into second then on the stage. Gets a lot of points. Uh, we don't care what uh, Polsterberger necessarily was saying about that. Anyway, those interesting on the finishing line quotes there. Also interesting how uh, Sagan, I think he gets away with a lot. And look, this is what they really have to do. If they want to start enforcing... And, you know, if you look at the sprint as well, though, you know who else was moving around was Caleb. He, he made a hard move to his left. There was just no one there. I don't know that he knew that no one was there, but he makes a hard move to his left to get around Bennett and jumps for it. And um, he's good, though, because in the, in the sprint and the finish, he was, uh, he, was, he was fine. All right, let's talk about Team GC. So previously, um, you looked at the, the – if you want to know who leads the Team GC, because that's a really important uh, part of the tour – uh, that is war the, the team that's leading that wears the yellow helmet. And so previously you've seen EF education first, they've been wearing the, the helmets cause they're the, the highest on team GC team GC is taken from the first three riders across the line each day. So consistently getting three good riders up there it could be three different ones. doesn't matter, but three of them, um, then you are the team GC leader. Now one team that seems to win this in all the different tours is movie star last year, you know, they've had Landa. He's uh, with Bahrain Marina, uh, Nairo Quintana. He's with Arkea Samzik. Uh, then they've got obviously Valverde, who seems to be on the, the the retirement age of of things, and he's just losing it a little bit. Um, Soler and Rick Moss. You know they've got uh, Carapaz was there with them last year, so obviously they had a good full contingent for all the stages. Well, Carapaz isn't there anymore. He's with Ineos. Uh, so, but I noticed today that they have moved back into the Team GC lead, which 
is a little odd, and I know that how they calculate it, and I think EF might actually take it back, but EF had had Iran, and then Carthy was up there a bunch. Uh, Nelson Palace was finishing high two different times. Aguita and Dan Martin. But they've suffered a little bit, some of those guys. But who hasn't suffered is Iran. He's still looking well. So now you look at the Team GC battle, and they're leading it by five minutes, which, by the way, that five minutes can deteriorate in a, in a day. Um, it's a little bit, because once again, it's the top three riders. Uh, Tenth on, so here's what, here's what you have for, I look, took a breakdown of uh, movie star uh, for the race here. They have one rider on GC in 10th place. Oh, no, no, they've had one 10th place finish and one top five, okay? Uh, their top GC rider is Enrique Mass in 12th at 202 back. Uh, they've, here's their top finishers uh, for the different stages. Stage one, 78th, stage two, 14th, stage three, 17th, stage four, 18th, stage five, 37th, stage six, 16th. Stage seven, Valverde got a 10th place. Stage eight, Carlos Verona uh, got third. But remember, he was in a breakaway with Squines and um, uh, Nons and, and uh, Zachary. And so, eh, you really, I mean, that's, he's not, you know, GC type of guy. But same thing, that's how EF was help, getting help with uh, Palace. Uh, stage nine, uh, 13th by Valverde, and then 10 and 11, 16th and then 35th for those. I just my, my point is is they have really they, they've looked really bad this tour compared to what we've seen them for before and riders that have left Nairo, Landa, Carapaz. Carapaz is obviously doing a lot of work, but Nairo and Landa especially are really looking um, exceptional to the last stage, uh, last two mountain stages, especially um, Nairo and then Landa in that order. Um, so that that team's in the lead. I think it's a. Um, kind of puts into perspective maybe the the crappiness of that uh, competition and what you have and honestly it's it's a little sad to to see I, I'm, I'm enjoying them and kind of their downfall if you watch their movie star uh, thing on Netflix fascinating by the way very good uh, show um, covering them last year uh, going through the different tours uh, you get a little sense that you you're like eh, I'm, I'm I'm fine with Carapaz leaving. They seem to have screwed him out. Now, he didn't seem to do everything the best. I think he was racing when he wasn't supposed to. He got in a wreck. I think he was even wearing an Ineos kit before <laughs> before he had signed with them. Some bad stuff going on there, but uh, they threw a ton of money at Carapaz, so that's what they got. Uh, but I don't think they necessarily treat him right, and they just hold on for dear life to Valverde and everything he wants and does. So that's what they get. They end the Team GC. They're wearing the yellow helmets. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, on the thought of Nairo and some of those guys, there's evidently national alliances taking place there. The Colombians versus the Slovenians. Um, the Colombians are saying that they are looking to have a, an, an alliance to take down the Slovenians, which would be Pogacar and Roglic. Um, one, it's kind of lame. I remember there's Spanish Armada, they used to call them. This was back in the two early thousands, 2000s. Uh, wanted to take down Lance, and then Lance was just buying him up. Uh, Herrera and some of these other guys just bringing him to his team. So it, it kind of all went for naught. But um, it's not only lame, I think it's it outright it gets the rules. So I'll have to look up with if there's a UCI rule on that, but I, I don't believe it's it's necessarily the most, maybe the most ethical thing in the sense. Uh, Miguel Angel Lopez and Nairo Quintana, they proposed the Colombians at the Tour de France form a national alliance to try and keep the yellow jersey on South American shoulders for yet another year and team up against the Slovenian threat to their title. Now, do you think Ineos, even though they have a bunch of South Americans on there, that they're really going to be going in for this? And it doesn't sound like something that they would do. And also, I don't think that um, Pog Pogacar and Roglic are really, they're not, doesn't look like they're racing with and for each other. 
Um, you know, one tried to take the other out at the top of a climb the other day. Huh? What do you think of that? We all ride for different teams. We all have different interests. Maybe there could be a collaboration on the road, Lopez says. This is all seems to be pushed by Lopez. And then um, it was interesting. Nairo's like, yeah, he's kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in for that. Well, he's got a kind of a weak team, so maybe that's the reason why. Although Bernal, this is what Bernal says, especially in reference to an alliance and that of an alliance with um, Nairo. He goes, how strange that Nairo talks about alliances. When I have attacked many times and I've gone with him, I have asked for him to ch for the change and he does not happen to help me, Bernal said. It catches my attention. Uh, a little bit of maybe uh, translation there. Basically it says, he's a punk and he won't <laughs> he won't work with me. Why, do you, why am I gonna help work with him? And plus, I think uh, these, are, these are guys more like Nairo, Lopez. I mean, Lopez has a decent team though. These guys aren't, aren't aren't getting help enough, you know. Get your get your teammates out there, so you're all going to collaborate. And by the way, there's no comment there from Iran. I think Iran's just kind of a come along, go along kind of guy, and he'll do whatever if it's going to benefit him. And that's really what it is. You you think you're going to put it down uh, as a Colombian and uh, try to do uh, an attack if you're Lopez to benefit Nairo? Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, there's there's been talks of these kind of things before and whether there are other teams doing that. And sometimes, you know, French teams collaborating together. I don't know if you're gonna get Bardet and uh, Martin doing this. Um, I don't know. How about some things that make you go, hmm. Wow. Woods, Mike Woods of EF Education First. He was dissed for the Tour de France this year. He signed for Israel Startup Nation to help Chris Froome next year. That's kind of the whole deal. The, that team has been bulking themselves up. Um, also, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He was, I don't know if he's uh, Norwegian, Denmark, Danish, something like that, but a young guy that had been with Lotto Sudal last year. Uh, he signed with Israel Startup Nation. They got another sprinter. Uh, they're looking like they're really consolidating. So one of the things they do, they bring in Mike Woods, who's you know had a what top three there uh, in Liege, Bastion Liege. He's had a top three in the world championships when old man Valverde won. Uh, dude can climb. He won the virtual Mont Bon 2 stage over the COVID stuff this year uh, on Strava. So, you know, he can really, on Strava, on um, whatever you call it when you, you do it, <laughs> do it online. Um, Zwift, there you go. Uh, so Mike Woods, uh, and I think he was not selected for the Tour de France team this year for EF Education First specifically because he decided to leave the team. And, you know, Jonathan Botters, you, you read his book, he's really big into um, he's really big into uh, people that are loyal. I mean, he made a big deal about Iran. Iran could have gone away when that EF and Garmin were kind of having a problem there and didn't have a sponsor. And, and uh, Iran said, no, I'm staying with him. So he dedicated part of his book and, and really made a big deal. So maybe he feels like, hey, he reached out, he took Woods, and um, he didn't end up staying with him. So he's got a little bit of a – because all indications are that uh, Woods – should have been on the tour team. And, I, and I'm saying, uh, yeah, why is, you know, I like TJ, but uh, why is TJ Van Garderen on the tour team and not Mike Woods? That seems really odd. And it almost sounds like TJ was going to be on the tour team. And then um, Nelson Palace um, took Woods' place. Okay, but you also look at Ineos, and they were willing to have uh, two former winners. Matter of fact, yes, last year's second place win winner, not even take the start, and Garrett Thomas, uh, the year before, 
you know, Chris Froome, he didn't take the start either because they really weren't ready for the tour. Now, Chris had left and, you know, maybe you're saying, hey, it's the same yeah, um, Israel startup nation thing, you know, you're going away. I don't think so. I just think both those guys were just not in a good enough position to actually be selected. And they did a harsh business decision. Both of them actually are saying now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the case. So um, I think you should have put Mike Woods in there. Definitely get his Tour de France shot. And he's getting a little older and it's kind of a bummer. So he goes out today and he wins a stage in Trinidad Attico. And pretty convincing, I guess there was like 10 plus percent stage uh, going up to the finish. Um, he did it. He said he'd check this out and he did a hard kick and ends up winning stage. And um, you look kind of look at who's all coming out there for the finish. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this trend goes on with the climbing. But uh, he beats uh, Rafael Micah. Uh, Wilco Kelderman, Patrick Conrad, Abora, uh, Alexander Vlasov, who we've seen, you know, do well um, in a few stage races, and uh, Lombardia, Sergio Hanau, Tano Kangert, that's his teammate, Fasto Masnada, Fulsang, Thomas, Yates, Vanderpool. Um, pretty solid. Let's take a look. Louis Menchie's down here, Vincenzo Nibali. Let's just keep scrolling down and see if we get to a Chris Frim. Because uh, I believe he's at Torino, and I'm still pulling down 55 people, 65. Brent Bookwalder, solid. Um, Mike Tunison, 76. These are non-climbers now. I don't see Michael Matthews. Maybe I missed him, but I did not see a Chris Froome in the mix. So pretty sure. Oh, there you go. 112. <laughs> he lost eight, 18 minutes on the day. 112. I wonder how we would have done on the tour. Yeesh. Anyway, that's just kind of my thought about uh, Mike Woods. I think he should have had a shot at the tour this year, and he did not. Uh, upcoming stages. So tomorrow we have 218 kilometers rolling and climbs, but not a GC day. Uh, once again, this is before the big mountains on Friday, stage 13. So stage 12 going to Chavigny to Saran. Um, I would say, look, everyone's going to be keyed up because Friday looks like a bad, big bad day. It's got a time bonus on the last Cat 2 climb, but it's a Cat 1, Cat 3, a Cat 2, a Cat 3, a Cat 3, a Cat 2, and a Cat 1. And that's going to hurt them mightily. So it's kind of like the day before time trial. It'll be interesting to see if there's any wind or what happens with the GC or if it comes down to a sprinters. You know, the brakes have really kind of been peeled in lately. You see that early on, some riders getting up the road. Um, and you always see that in the tour, but lately it's been uh, maybe a little bit mellow. And I don't know if that is owed to a super, super hard start that uh, everyone's kind of backed off on. So who knows? Uh, stage 13, like I said, a Friday, 191 kilometers. Stage 14, 197 kilometers. A bunch of climbing then, but not as bad as stage uh, 13 on the on the, on the Friday. And then uh, Sunday, a Cat 1, a Cat 1, and an HC with a rest day coming up after that so look loading up for the weekends tour at least does things right they, they have television they know about how these things work and what your best bet is to do is what it's to uh, bring in the crowds and to make sure that they are fully in engaged and on the weekend and that's what we usually have saturday sunday pretty good but there's starting on friday a little peak there a little change and and saturday who knows maybe saturday is going to be a, a dangerous day as well uh, how about the ride of the day or the week? Um, I would have given it to, and this is tough I mean, every day and today is kind of, eh. uh, maybe I would have given it to Gregor Molberger if he had been able to finish the day. It looked like he was pretty sick. I mean, when you're wearing a full on like Castelli jacket, I don't know what it was, but a jacket uh, and everyone else is like sweating like crazy and you're just pushing like 60 RPMs on the back of the field. It looks like you're having a tough time. You're probably pretty sick. Uh, not COVID, evidently, evidently. 
Um, no updates on that. I guess on the second rest day, they're going to have a bunch more testing. So we'll see about that. We also reported yesterday, Christian Prudhomme had been, you know, whatever, but he was not in those bubbles and he had decided to initially to not even be really connected at all with any riders. He wanted to be separated from them because he was, you know, shaking hands with dignitaries and doing all those little things he does. So, um, Christian Prudhomme out of the tour, pretty sad. Not really. Uh, so who's my ride of the day? Uh, I got to go with Caleb, I guess, on that one. Um, and maybe Wout. Uh, damn, you know, it, uh, Roglic was talking about Wout. And he said, hey, we talk about it in the morning. Things work out. We give him the go-ahead to take on the sprint. But he goes, even then, he was leading me up through inside 2K, inside, yeah, 3, 3 2K, leading me and routing me and making sure I was in position before he decides to go for this. Dude is awesome, and uh, he can't. Is there anything he can't do? I mean, he can time trial. We know that he can sprint. We know that, and he almost won today. I mean, uh, had hadn't been for Sagan and his um, SoCal shoulder bumping sprint techniques, um, you know, maybe Wout gets that win. Maybe Wout needs to learn how to rough and tumble himself a little bit as well. I don't know. What do you think? Okay, everybody, thank you once again. Episode one ninety four, the Between Two Wheels podcast. Uh, what I would suggest is um, I would try to put up times when we're going here on Facebook, but check out our Facebook page, our YouTube thing, spread this show around, get some more people in here, people. I would appreciate it as well. Once again, Tyler Yonke, Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 194 in the books. Take care. Keep it safe.